Well, greetings, imagination connoisseurs. Once again, it is I, your Duke of Dope Discourse, your master of fun and wonder, and as John Campia calls me, which is still undefined, your existential Mr. Rogers, Robert Meyer Burnett, and this is issue five of the Weekly Hero. But you know what? You didn't come to see me. You yeah, came to see the loveliest, most effervescent, most intelligent, most voice-talented woman I know, Aww. the great Chris Carr. Chris, how are you today? I'm great. I really liked the one where I got called the Empress of Effervescence. That the one Empress made me feel of very Well, fancy. that's your nickname now. Yes. Somebody needs to do I some got fan one. art. Yes, please. I want to see some fan art Make of it Chris so Carr as the Empress of Effervescence. Yeah. That's not like Empress Hoshi Sato from Mirror Universe in Star Trek Enterprise. See, I had to bring up Star Trek. Couldn't you do a show without do. that. Proud of you. You know, <laughs> you're more effervescent than she was anyway. Aww. There Thanks, you go. Bud. So listen, it's been pretty, a pretty, both a good and also a distressing, but certainly interesting week in the land of heroics. A bit tumultuous. A bit tumultuous. But we're going to start with a great announcement. Heck yeah. My God, if you're not watching the Harley Quinn show, and to be honest, unless John Campy has sung its praises, I don't know if I would have watched it. A lot of people were talking to me about uh, Harley Quinn. It's funny to me because John was always complaining about Warner Animation. But man, is he on board. And I know he said he was even reluctant to dive in to Harley Quinn, yeah. the animated series. It is an R-rated romp of fun, that show. It's so fun. And my God, they've announced a what? They have announced that they are going to be doing a Valentine's Day special, which I am so here for. I mean, one of the great couples on TV now is surely, certainly Har Harley and Ivy. I know. It's so nice to see Harley in a relatively healthy relationship, too. Yes. I mean, I, I just wish they were more bent on world domination than they are. I, I They should take because I want to live in the world that they control. That's very true. That'd be very, very fun. Right? I love them on this. So, so you know, it seems to me these holiday, we're going to get a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. We got something we're going to talk about soon, a werewolf by night. I'm going to call it a Halloween special. Yeah. You know, it That's is. what it is. So we're getting, we're getting specials. And they're better than the original Star Wars holiday special from 1978. Oh, yeah. Which wasn't good. Well, you know, when you do enough cocaine, anything seems fun. Seems you, like a good idea. It's true. And when you've got both, both, both B. Arthur and... And Harvey Corman, you know, come on. B. Arthur being in it is my favorite part. I just love it so much. And who knew that that uh, Chewbacca's family had, he had members, Itchy, Mala, yeah. you know, I mean, come on. That extended universe is fucked. Wow. <laughs> wow. So the Harley, what are your expectations for the Harley Quinn Valentine's Day special. Do you think that, are they going to exchange boxes of heart-shaped chocolates? I mean, I what's going to happen? I think we will have some lovely Valentine's kind of tropes, but I'm going to expect them to really up the ante on this. I'm expecting lots of violence. I'm expecting more quarter Owls orgies. You know, when I think of animated Valentine's Day specials, the first thing that comes to mind is Big Mouth, honestly. <laughs> and you have that level of raunch out in the universe. And I know that's not quite... Harley Quinn's vibe. But we've got that raunchiness, that violence, that more adult sensibility on this show. And I'm really expecting them to just go hog wild with this special. Because they can. Because they can. You know, one of my favorite 80s slasher movies, and I didn't go into it with great expectations, but I really liked it, was My Bloody Valentine. Ooh. And do you think there's going to be somebody actually will will actual hearts get removed i think that'd be a cool move i think that'd be a fun way to take this do you think in this uh batman will finally go down on catwoman will that be allowed uh you know i would hope so because that was some controversy because that's you know that's <laughs> when uh what was it didn't didn't uh didn't uh nirvana sing about a heart-shaped box they did it's always you know you got to go eat at the y yodel in the valley you know how it is <laughs> i mean why shouldn't uh why shouldn't they do that 
They should. I, I mean, if they can't do it in the comics, they can certainly do it in this show. Exactly. exactly. I've never understood that. I mean, no, I thought it was silly. If Batman doesn't do that. Okay, poor Batman Selena. would be a cunning linguist. He would let me be. tell you, I think he would so. be, and he would, and we'll see that. I think in the Valentine's Day special. I think so too. And you know, at a time when Warner Brothers really is just, I mean, setting fire to animation. You know, with everything that's happened with Cartoon Network and everything. Warner Brothers set fire to its studio it's yesterday. Everything, everything. It's a fire sale, and everything must go. You know, I, I'm obviously a huge animation fan. I love this medium. And it's nice to see at least that Harley is a survivor here. Right. You know, I'm glad that they are doubling down on wanting to create more with this character. It makes sense. You know, this is a very profitable show for them. It's very, very well reviewed. Fans and critics alike enjoy it. So it's nice to see someone standing amidst all the chaos. Oh, hell yeah. That's what I want from this special. Well, there you go. Blood I splatters. Mean, that's it. And plus it's on HBO Max. Yeah. So they can get away with this kind of thing. And I know what's funny is, there's been talk, and we've talked about it on the show, on the John Campy show, how there's not HBO Max wants to move away from animation. Mm -hmm. But I would say that maybe they should just reassess what kind of animation they'd like to do, because I would like to see not necessarily more of this over the top body stuff, but maybe very much more adult American sensibilities in terms of what animation can be is still very limited in my mind. Oh, it really is. And that was what was so wonderful about Cartoon Network was it was constant experimentation of what could be done within the bounds of the medium. Because it's yeah. not a genre, it's a medium. It is a medium. And we've never quite got that nah, here, It's a bummer, but this should be fun. Very exciting. You know what else was really exciting for me and something I've wanted to see for a long time? Werewolf by Night. Yes. You know of my my boundless love of the Moon Knight character. Moon Knight was actually introduced back in 1975 in the pages of the Werewolf by Night comic. And we've talked a lot about on the on, on the show about where is the supernatural. Uh, we know sorceresses and witches exist because of Agatha Harkness, mm -hmm. Doctor and, Strange, and everyone. Doctor Strange, yeah. and and Wanda Maximoff. But Mike, I, I I was curious. We know that Blade was coming, and I'm just curious about. How are they going to introduce the idea of the supernatural? Of and this, when when Michael Giacchino was announced as directing, the composer was going to direct an hour long holiday special of Werewolf by Night. I was like, what? What is this going to be? Yeah, had no idea. And but I was excited. Now I have to say, I watched it and I was very taken with it. Everything from the approach to his score over the, how the Marvel logo was even right in the middle of the Marvel logo. They changed the music and yeah. the, it was a, I, I was worried that it was going to be a throwback to like the 30s and 40s with that kind of a sensibility. It was inspired by those it things. It was definitely a love letter. Definitely a love letter. But there's even some ca cabinet of Dr. Caligari and German expressionism. But it was modern. And I got to tell you, spoiler alert, I loved every minute of it. Hell yeah. What did you think? I was obsessed with it. I thought it was so, so fun. Because you know me, I'm, I'm not a big horror genre person. I do love campy, kitschy kind of stuff. Right. You know, I'm a big fan of Wolf Cop. If you haven't seen Wolf Cop, go watch it. It's ridiculous and over the top. Um, but I thought this was so fun. And it was such a beautiful homage to those classic monster movies, yeah. right? Like, I love Mason Bell Lagasse. I love that kind of stuff. So this was so fun. And it was cool to see, as Giacchino himself talked about, a Rod Sterling approach to something in the MCU. Sterling. Sterling? It's not Sterling? It's not. Everyone thinks all... it's Sterling now. You young really? kids. It's Sterling. Oh, man. I learned something today. I'm da, just going to say da, it because I just tweeted out. I said... I tweeted out last week because somebody else said Sterling. I uh -huh. said, you know, when people say Rod Sterling, I want to punch him in the nose. I'm not going to do, do that. Do you want to punch me in the nose? It was so expensive, Rob. I'm not. I'm, really? I paid so much money for this. I love your nose. Thank you. Well, Dr. Cohen did a great it. job. Wow. I did, wow. Is that rhinoplasty? Yeah. When rhinoplasty. We all learned something. I could. I broke it too many times. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. See, I, I got my nose broken in Australia, mm. but I was mugged. Oh. So what are you going to do? I just did But no, so, bad. but I agree. I mean, it had a twilight. So going with black and white was stunning. And yeah. I love the set design, you know, with the bloodstone. Very intriguing. What are they going to do that with that? Like, I was talking to my friend, uh, uh, filmmaker Dave Parker, who directed The Hills Run Red, and he was pointing out, he said, he said something to me about with the bloodstone and the ten rings and the, like, what if Kang, what if these are things that Kang is going to go collect, kind of like the Infinity Stones? I mean, we did have the TVA there, so that could be a cool thing. But I, I think what's so interesting here, too, though, is that he had to convince folks at Marvel that this should be in black and white, which when you watch it seems like such a no-brainer because of what it's trying to pay tribute to, because of those cigarette burns telling you it's time to change the reel. I mean, all of those aesthetic choices, I think, are a big part of why this is so successful. And it just kind of blows my mind that that was something that took coaxing. Right. Well, and and also, you know, I heard that, I don't know how Man Thing, because they did, Kevin Feige did produce a Man Thing movie that people forget because it's so little seen. Mm -hmm. But using Ted, who is, by the way, the nexus of all realities, Man Thing is, I love the fact that they went with him and that design. I know K&B did build a full-scale man thing. It was obviously computer augmented. But even the, the portrayal, I love the fact that our our main character went in there to save his friend. Yeah. That that whole thing was – I love that. And, and they clearly – like, I, I want to know about the adventures of, of Man-Thing and Werewolf by Night. Like, did they have, I want to see more of their adventures. I want adventures. that buddy cop movie. I do too. I think they're great. I want to see them go have their sushi together. And can we talk about this character? Ah, uh, Elsa. You she wonderful was, um, badass. I loved her. She's great. And again, you know, I lo- I don't know why I love this scene so much because not much happened when they got locked in the crypt. You know, and they're, mm-hmm. they're, they were getting to sort of know each other. And you realize, I mean, she's a great character as well trying to get the inheritance or that she deserves yeah. but her father had forsaken her and i mean there there was a lot of storytelling going on in this hour that i just i really hope that this is a trend on physical media releases marvel used to do these one shots like uh uh they would they gave you there was one about Trevor Slattery Ben yeah, Kingsley there was one about Agent Carter yes. those were super fun those were really good and and i i then they stopped doing them mm-hmm. and i don't know maybe they were too expensive they couldn't justify just putting them on maybe i feel like you could do that on disney plus easily though and by the way the design i like the fact that unlike other werewolf designs that now modern werewolf designs they turn into a wolf yeah like they're not you don't see and this again was a hark harks back to the 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 universal werewolf movies where it looked more humanoid than it did lupine mm-hmm. or whatever and Absolutely. i i really like that uh, I thought that was really a great choice. I agree. Now, I, I got to ask you, though, do you think this is going to stay a true standalone thing or is this going to ultimately connect to things in the Marvel Universe? I think it has to connect. The Bloodstone will connect. Uh, I, I, and Man-Thing, I think, has to connect. I was surprised. I know they wanted it to be standalone, but I was surprised that there was no mention, especially with, with we're in the middle of the the multiverse saga that the nexus of realities of that Man-Thing represents. I don't know if they're going to bring him back, mm-hmm. but he would. I would think he would definitely be somebody that would be crucial to whatever their, their plans are moving forward. Yeah. But I do think, like, while it didn't have any direct ties, we're going to see these characters again. I mean, I think they whether they're because they're kind of setting up a midnight uh, a midnight suns series with this. They could spin off into that if they wanted to. Well, in, in theory, 
In theory, in we'll get theory. all that tasty supernatural stuff. I mean, I really liked it. I, I, I again, with all of these, uh, it did my question about whether supernatural beings get snapped by Thanos. Like, if you're part of the undead, if you're a vampire, do you get snapped? I guess you're because you're still consuming resources. But I'd like clarification on that, Ref. Samezy. Tell me more about it. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, let's see. Next, we've got today. We was it today? We had some news about the the Marvel lineup just getting shaken up because of Blade. I mean, shaken up not just like a few things get moved, but like uh, Secret Wars got moved. What ten months? Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a. I know our, the one we most want to see. Deadpool and Wolverine, probably the movie that's least connected to the MCU. I mean, they're Mm going to bring you, uh, my theory is they bring us into the MCU at the end of the movie as opposed to being in the MCU from the beginning. I feel like they're definitely going to make a joke too about this. Yeah. And and, and damn it, Blade. And Deadpool's going to have to say goodbye to Wolverine. That's how they're going to get their poignant ending. You're going to go off into non-existence or into the multiverse. That's beautiful. And it's going to be, because you'll get, you'll get the goodbye that Deadpool gets and it'll be poignant, not as poignant as Wolverine dying and Logan. Yeah. But still pretty good. But so this shakeup, I mean, here's the thing. I, I know you guys talked about it on the show this morning. Yeah. I wasn't on the show I really this morning. I really wanted to hear what you thought, though. You know, I don't think it's just because of Blade. Oh. I don't think that, I think this move, they're using Blade as an excuse. Not that they need an excuse, but with everyone knows that the director walked, mm-hmm. and I've heard there's a lot of tumult behind the scenes. Um, so. Look, they always need more time. There's a massive backlog of effects-driven films that are... And I I do think that this push is kind of them going... Because Blade, of all the movies that would cause a push, you'd think that the multiverse saga, they're way ahead of the game on all this stuff. Apparently, they're not. Yeah. I mean, I I think... And this shows that there's more sort of... There's more up in the air at Marvel than I would have thought that there there is. Mm Mm-hmm. But Blade is just an excuse. They needed to buy more time. And I think, look, we've seen in Phase 4, there's so much Marvel stuff coming out. It is so many spinning plates. So many spinning plates. And I think that the Blade issue, I think I think the Blade film falling apart, John was saying this yesterday, that it was a real sort of a reality check for them mm. because they've never had this happen before. Uh, so close. They were going to start production next month. I mean, when you're a month away from pre-production on a movie the, this size, you've been deep into pre-production. They're 14 weeks at least. Yeah. And, and when I say 14 weeks, not that doesn't even count the years of development that these movies go through. We're talking about 14 weeks, getting the crew together, building sets. Do, I'm sure they were going to shoot this in Atlanta and maybe in Europe as well. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. But the crew is deep into this. They've got payroll. They've got hundreds of people working on this movie. To halt production is a big deal a month before shooting. More so than people might uh, know. But it was a huge deal. And I think that it has ramifications because a lot of this crew moves from one film to the next. So if you have to start stop production and lay off an entire team, that's going to affect the production of your movies down the line because they shoot so much of these in Atlanta. So I'm just I'm speculating here, but your crew, what are you going to do? You have to lay a bunch of people off, which these people think they have jobs probably for the whole year and yep. suddenly there's a huge break in all of this that they that they um have to make up. So I, I would imagine this is this is not they're not happy. New no. over in the hallowed halls of, of Disney and Marvel. Not at all. What no, do you think? What, I what, think what? I think the people of Atlanta are really frustrated right now too. Oh yeah. my gosh, my actor friends who live there are just like, whoo, I would love to know if this ha- is happening. I would love to, you know, be 
trying to get in the room for this one but yeah because it's not just crew i mean they use lots of extras and, and mm -hmm. everything and it's a it's a big local hire market for marvel you know they use a lot of atlanta-based actors and we've seen a lot of wonderful actors who would otherwise maybe not be noticed because of marvel being based there being utilized um some really really tremendous folks and i know also like the pandemic has opened it up so we can do a bit more you know coast to coast casting really see more people be seen but it's been such a huge boon for the atlanta market and i really really, really hope this doesn't throw off production schedule so much that those actors who have really been able to thrive there suffer. Same with the crew, obviously. Right, too. because these are films, I mean, these shoot for six months, mm -hmm. eight months. It's a big commitment. It's a big commitment. And I, you know what? I have to say, you've uh, not just because Mahershala Ali was going to play Blade. I hope he still does. I, I really hope they do get too. this thing up and running. I, but I, I'm, I was really excited about this film. And again, answering those questions, did vampires get blipped? Where have they been? Yeah. How many are there? I, I was excited for Dane. Yes. I'm excited about all those things. So hopefully they get their poop in a group and we can figure this out. I hope so. But speaking about getting our poop in a group, I don't know where that goes, but we have sponsors. And we're going to talk about issues. We, I've got a big bone to pick with you I this week. I know you do. i got a big issue with your issue. I picked an arc that you are not pleased with. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but before we get to our issues, let's hear a word from our sponsor. We want to take a moment and thank a sponsor of today's video, HelloFresh. Guys, my wife Ann and I love using HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. When you subscribe to HelloFresh, you can check save money off of your fall to-do list. HelloFresh is 25% cheaper than takeout and even less expensive than grocery shopping too. And HelloFresh works with your ever-changing schedule. Plans are flexible and you can choose your meals for the week, update your preferences, or change your delivery day all in the HelloFresh app. Now you know Ann and I are both working professionals, so when it comes to dinner time, it can be a bit of a challenge. We don't really have time to cook and we don't want to eat out all the time. And that's why HelloFresh comes through so clutch for us. Not only do we get to eat delicious, nutritious food, but Ann and I both have a lot of fun getting to cook together, following the easy-to-follow steps in getting the meals made. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Campia65 and use the code Campia65 for 65% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash Campia65 using the code Campia65 for 65% off plus free shipping. And a special thanks to HelloFresh for sponsoring this, the fifth issue of The Weekly Hero. And speaking of issues... You know, normally uh, Chris and I are pretty simpatico, but sometimes, as with every long-term relationship, we develop issues that could perhaps be insurmountable and torpedo our love. There are bumps in the road. Bumps in the road, for sure. Yeah. And this is one of those times. Yeah, but but God bless the broken road. It led us here. Wow. <laughs> it did. Now, Chris, uh, tell us... What issue did you pick today okay. and why did you pick it? I know I know a bunch of you two are going to be like, Chris, for why? For why did you do this? So I believe it was last week when we saw those Madam Web set photos released. Yes. Where we got to speculate speculate about the new spider person on the scene. Oh, see, I see. You know what you just did now? Mm -hmm. You made you, you just made me realize how smart you are because you're tying it back. Now see? I get it. See, see now I there's th a I method to my okay. madness, man. Okay, please so, continue. I, I, you know what? All right, all right. My anger is subsiding. Well, and this is why, because when I went and talked to my friends about it afterwards, too, of oh my gosh, there were so many great theories of maybe that's tarantula, maybe that's Kane, and a whole bunch of my friends who aren't as invested in comics went Kane like like the Bible or the chicken. 
And I or went, stutter cane yeah. in the mouth of madness. <laughs> I went, oh no, Kane the clone. And I realized a lot of people aren't aware of this character. More folks I think know about Ben Riley, especially if you were an animated uh, series fan, because they touched on that whole yeah. issue, right? Of Ben Riley being one of Spider-Man's clones. We had a Madam Web episode with multiple Spider-Men, but they were from alternate realities. We never really got into, you know, the Jackal creating these clones of Peter. Right. So I wanted us to talk about the Mark of Cain, which is a five issue kind of light amidst all of the bullshit when it comes to the clone saga, which I think we both can agree is just one of the worst storylines within the spider. Yeah, universe. it really is. And for those of you who don't, we won't, we won't get into cause it's, it's too it's long and convoluted. Yeah. But like you said, that's interesting. A bright spot to this ridiculous, the clone saga was just silly. It really and- was. It ends with maximum clonage. Which yeah. I, I see you. I know you're trying to do a play on Maximum Carnage, but come on, guys. Come on. Yeah, it but wasn't good. This we, we were introduced to Kane in 1994. So when we come to this 1995 arc that is uh, first started by, I believe, Terry Kavanaugh um, and Stephen Butler doing all the art, we get to meet this character, Kane. At the time, Peter Parker has been framed for murder. All right? Kane was trying to frame Ben Riley. Ben Riley ends up getting... Peter Parker pinned because they're clones. They all have the same fingerprints, right? So Peter Parker is in prison. There's all these various Spider-Men who look like Mary Jane's husband. She is with child. Chaos ensues. Now, why you need to know about Kane from these issues, though, is that you learn about his motivations and his machinations. He's having visions. His ha- He has a spider sense that's heightened almost to have these precognitive abilities, unlike the, oh, I'm about to get hit by a brick or something like that, right? Right. He keeps seeing Mary Jane Watson dying. And so there's a whole issue of him uh, believing he can save her or keep her from facing her destiny. Which could is, is cool. Is cool. And I think could be a really cool turn in the Madam Web film, right? Of If we have Mary Parker being kidnapped by various sp- spider peoples and have them trying to either save or destroy the unborn Peter Parker. I think that's a really cool element to bring in there. Because why else are we having Mary there with Madam Web? Well, because she's a redhead. That's fair. That's fair. Is Emma going to be a redhead in this? I don't know. I that photos of her. But I don't know, but everybody should that's be a fair. redhead. And this panel, actually, I'm so glad you brought this one up, Jonathan. One of the things I really like about this arc, too, it's five issues as well. It's various artists and writers throughout <laughs> this because it spans from Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, all that kind of stuff. I love this moment for J. Johanna Jameson because we see him really care for Peter. Yeah. It's a wonderful moment where Robbie, who is such a good friend to Peter, says, you know, you know, friendship be damned. We are journalists. We have to report on this and we have to be objective. And Jameson wants him to bury it and says, we are not doing the story. We're too close to it. Say we're doing the integrity move. But Parker is up against a wall and 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 I I don't know how to help him. And you see him genuinely care for this kid who he usually treats like crap. And I think that's a really cool aspect of this that we don't see very often. I have to say the panel design on the previous page and this page is really good. It Going is. from the exterior of the silhouette of yeah. Jay Jonah. It's really, it's good. Now the arts. Yeah, this is a, this is a great, great get. I mean, very cinematic. It is right. And, and this is one of the unfortunate things about this arc in particular, <laughs> even in the issues themselves, right? I can forgive this from comic to comic with different artists coming in. And this is also symptomatic of 90s comic books. The art is all over the place and there's no congruency where people's facial reactions to are like, that doesn't even look like the same person anymore. This is wild. People's shape size changes. They get extra muscles in certain panels. 
Well, it's like they were churning. I mean, ni- the nineties are not seen a certain era, a, a certain few, a certain number of years in the nineties were not seen as the best for the comic industry. Yeah, that was the the middle of all of the premium cover designs and the variant covers, and I mean that yes. that still plagues the industry even today. But it was really the die cut covers <laughs> and every event series. I mean, this was to me this is the this is peak lame nineties comic book storytelling. But as you pointed out. Now I understand why you picked this. This this is if there's a bright center of the universe, as Luke said, or a bright center of the Clone Saga, it'd be this. It'd be this. And a, a cool thing in this one too is you know Mary Jane actually really advocates for herself in this one. We don't always see that as well. She goes out and gets herself a gun, and it's like I'm gonna. I don't want to get kidnapped anymore. I'm gonna fight for myself. I got a baby on the way. This is ridiculous. <laughs> so it it is cool to see a a Mary Jane who has a bit more agency than she's sometimes given. It's interesting to see you know how these various clones do have their own thoughts and theories about who's the real park or who's the real parker who should get to exist as spider-man right there's some cool stuff in here that being said it is completely warranted to not dig this arc or this entire saga no i mean it, it because it, it it's so far away from spider-man's core yes. ideas into this weird, it's almost like some zany, mad scientist. You might as well, might as well have bubbling cult beakers full of green liquid or something. It's yeah. it's not far away from that. It's not what we want from Spider-Man. Well, and, and that's what I think is is why this seems like a jumping off point to me for Madam Web. Because that the idea of that movie existing with Sony right now is very confusing to me still. Right. And obviously they haven't released a lot of information on it. It's still in production. I'm going to wait to see how it all pans out. But... The idea of a Madam Web film seems like it would pull from things like this as some semblance of source material to try to come up with a narrative. Because otherwise, typically she is taking a, a full-grown Peter Parker and various other Spider-Men to have them save the universe. And while I don't think we'll go full Clone Saga, because I think that's a little too out there even for your comic book audience at this point in time, I, I do think there may be a, some stuff they can kind of dredge through here to put into that film. Well, aside from the fact I keep having to remind myself, the, the, I, I never knew what short-term memory loss was, but I keep having to remind myself <laughs> there is, in fact, a, a Madam Web film. But you know what? You've convinced me. I mean, I think that, look, if they go the route that you're discussing, we actually could get a decent movie out of this. Yeah. I mean, it, and it looks, there's got to be a reason. I mean, I look at it this way. The the I, I want to love everything. I'm not inherently cynical about what they're making. Just because It's Morbin Time didn't work out. The Venom movies were kind of fun. And the fact that Sony allowed No Way Home to get made is astonishing. Yeah. But the fact that they've decided to make a Madam Web movie at all leads me to believe that what led them down that path is somebody came in, maybe the writers of the actual script, pitched them a great story. And they're like, oh, we have to do that. Yeah. And because it... I mean, I know they've. It, it does touch on the Spider-Man universe. It could have ramifications. I'm sure somebody even. I, I bet even Kevin Feige got a phone call. I want to believe that someone asked him, "Should we do this?" And when he heard, he. he, he, he I want to believe this project had his blessing. I really want everyone to be very kumbaya when it comes to Spider-Man. I think so too. We got to protect Peter and his IP at all cost. Well, I have to say, Chris, you know, you've convinced me. This is what this is what mature people do when they're in a relationship. Aww. They talk about their issues. Yeah. And I listen. You I did. listen to you, and I'm I'm convinced now. Sweet. I, I don't think that you've you've wasted my time or the viewers. I think you've made a compelling argument, and uh, I really like your take on this. And I like the fact that you point out that Mary Jane Watson 
is a Second Amendment advocate. Yeah, apparently. Who do? Apparently. Well, you know, now it comes to a segment of the show that's great because it's all about me. <laughs> what can I say? I mean, you know, the raging narcissist that people know me to be because isn't there a little bit of narcissism in everyone that's on it, YouTube? All of us. All of us. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I'm not narcissistic about is because there's always somebody online that has more than I do. Uh, hot toys. Mm -hmm. And I've got a pretty good one. A hot toy I was a little bit skeptical of. I wanted to get it. Probably was going to pass on it just because the character wasn't significant until they were announced for another Marvel project. So why don't we take a look? Uh, Taylor shot me recently showing off my hot toy of this character. So I am here with Robert. Robert, which hot toy do you have with us today? Okay, now I have to say, I wasn't necessarily going to buy this hot toy because in the film, this character wasn't what we'd hoped they would be. But after I saw the hot toy and I got an incredible deal on it because I used points from Toys Wonderland that I'd acquired, so I got it cheap, less than half price what it retails for. But once it was announced that this character was gonna be in Thunderbolts, I'm like, oh, I have to get this because what a toy it is. The Taskmaster. Now, of course, in Black Widow, we saw the Taskmaster uh, in, in the movie, Taskmaster. Uh, Olga Kurienko, Taskmaster's a girl, I understand. But this figure is dope. I thought this character design was dope. Once again, the Marvel Cinematic Universe delivers absolute magnificence when it comes to character design. And this character is chock-a-block full of accessories, swords. It comes with great arrows. I mean, this is probably overkill in terms of a pose. I just wanted to add more accoutrements. But like the um, the um, this shield is attached uh, by a magnet on the wrist. Uh, really, it's got the sword. It's got multiple hands. It's 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 got uh, gauntlets on the side that are replaceable with uh, um, knives, both. So like here's a knife that's, uh, this is a separate piece. Again, these pop off, there's pieces that don't have the knives out and you can choose which way to display it. I just put as many weapons as I could, many accessories as I could to show this figure. And obviously the hood comes down. And uh, again, this is why people love hot toys. And you know, this also kind of harks back to Super Sentai figures, almost like, there's almost, I hate to say this, by the way, don't take it the wrong way, a Power Rangers vibe to this character. I just love the colors and of course, very different than the comic portrayal, but goddamn, this is exactly why I collect Hot Toys figures because they do such a great job on these uniforms, the costumes, just beautifully, beautifully done. And I'll tell you something, I don't think because this character was not probably heavily pre-ordered, now that it has been uh, announced that Taskmaster is going to be in Thunderbolts, now they might make a Thunderbolts version of Taskmaster. I mean, who are we kidding? They're hot toys, of course they're gonna do that. But you know what? If you can put this with the new Winter Soldier, White Wolf, Bucky Barnes, whatever, that came out for the Falcon and Winter Soldier series, you've already got two members, and if you add your, the Yelena figure that hasn't come out yet, you can have three members of the Thunderbolts as part of your hot toy collection right now. And as every hot toy collector knows, or every six scale collector knows, you have to wait sometimes years to get these figures. And you can have a majority of, well, not a majority, maybe two thirds, maybe a third, maybe a third of your Thunderbolts characters right now and display them all together, which is choice. But does she twerk? Uh, you know what, doesn't everyone, doesn't everyone twerk? We all, all of us need to twerk. If you don't twerk, I don't know what your problem is. Anyway, there's the Hot Toy Figure of the Week, the Taskmaster. And this brings us, of course, to the end 
of issue five of the Weekly Hero. I, I don't know if we can leave you with a cliffhanger to bring you back next week. Do you have any cliffhangers to leave anybody with? I come back here because we like our job. That's a good one. <laughs> you know, the cliffhanger is keep them employed. Keep me employed. We'll, we'll be employed by next week. I, I hope don't so. want to live in my car. Well, Chris, you know why you don't live in your car? Because you have a great class. I keep hearing from people how good your class is. Oh, thank you. What do you what, tell people about your class. Oh, man, I actually have a boot camp version of it coming up in November. So if you can't commit to weekly classes, I have a one-day, four-hour boot camp for introduction to voiceover where we go over commercials, public service announcements, video games, animation, all kinds of good stuff. It's going to be great. You can fi- find out more about that through my Instagram at actor Chris Carr or head over to who I'm partnered with, eebstudios.com. It's going to be a hoot. Now, let me ask you this. You're a voiceover coach. Give us an example of what's a favorite voice that you do. Oh, well, a lot lately, weirdly, I've been doing a lot of like more like femme fatale characters. So she has to speak down more in her chest voice. She's a little more sultry. And I've also been doing a really like a lot of broad, brassy women who are very, very like in your face and don't want to take any of your shit. I really like that. Isn't it a good one? It's good. That's my voice for Yura. She's Thank you very much. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls... Fans of Heroes, the world, the universe over. I, of course, am Robert My Burnett. You can find me on Instagram at RM Burnett. Find me on Twitter at Burnett RM or find me on YouTube at Post Geek Singularity. And this brings to a close episode issue five of The Weekly Hero with Chris Carr and myself. We will be back next week with, I'm sure, pertinent topics to discuss. Yeah, absolutely. And let us know if there's a specific issue that you want to hear about because we are always looking for new comics ourselves or new things to fight about. It's true, because we love to fight. Mm-hmm. You know where that leads. Makeup. Whoa.